Welcome to Kindreds, a podcast for soul sisters. I'm Ashley Peterson. And I'm Katie Zay. We're kindred spirits talking all things faith, feminism, and friendship from our homes in the South. Hey, Katie. Hey, Ashley. How's it going? It's good. I've got a bit of a cold. Oh, I'm sorry, friend. Yeah, it's the new normal around here. The baby comes home with it, and then we all get it. Well, I'm praying for y'all. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> So today we're going to get right to it. We're going to be talking about prayer, meditation, and all the spiritual practices we do or don't do or should do. So I guess I'll start by asking you, were you encouraged or pressured even to engage in any kind of spiritual practices growing up? You know, what were they? I love reflecting back because in our conversation before we started recording, I remembered all of these things that popped up because I think inside I was a kid who was very curious about spirituality, probably in part because it was not part of my growing up. That was not Hmm. in our household, but lots of friends were active in church. and And so I think I had just a natural curiosity. And one thing that I remembered as we were talking was I was obsessed with the Catholic Broadcast Network, CBN. (laughs) I mean, I'm not kidding. I would watch that for hours. I guess there wasn't a whole lot on TV sometimes on Nickelodeon, but I would just, I was so fascinated with all of the uh, rosaries and the Hail Marys and like the ritual of it. And like, I learned all the words of it, even though I wasn't Catholic. It was kind of odd. I guess I was just an odd kid destined to be ordained a minister (laughs) at some point. So (laughs) that's the earliest thing I can think of. But as I got into adolescence and got more involved in church, one of the things that we were encouraged or pressured really more accurately was to have a, a quote unquote quiet time, mm-hmm. a quiet time with the Lord. And it was supposed to be in the morning and you were supposed to open up your Bible and read it and pray every morning. And there was really no guidance about what to read or how to read or how long to read. And we weren't encouraged to consult commentaries or anything. So we didn't have the tools, but we were, I knew we were supposed to read the Bible all the time. And I'll just, as a side note, what happens with this is people end up reading the same things over and over again, which is fine. But the Bible is a really big book and there's Mm -hmm. some parts of it that we don't often dive into. We'll return to the Psalms or the Gospels, which again is fine, but there's a lot more to the Bible than just that. So I always felt really badly about it because it was not a practice that I engaged in regularly. Um, And I realize now it was because I didn't have the tools to do it well. I mean, the Bible you can just get completely lost in. And it's just a confusing book. I mean, there's if you read the Bible cover to cover, there's a lot of it that's just straight up confusing if you don't have the language. Do you remember what version you had when you were a kid? I do because when I went to Bible camp in fifth grade, I did Mm. not have a Bible. Our family did not have one, and I knew that I needed one. And so I asked my mom to take me to the Christian bookstore at the mall, and she bought me the, I want to say it was the New International Version. That's the one I had. NIV Teen Study Bible with like, you know, where it looked like Teen Study was in um, spray paint. That kind of look. I, actually, I might have had, it might not have been the teen study Bible, but I I remember when I did went through confirmation in my Methodist church, um, I was given a new international study version, but I don't think it was for 
for teens specifically. But I remember really liking it because it had a lot of um, context mm-hmm. spread throughout the book. Um, so I, my favorite part of the of the Bible <laughs> was actually the section before the Bible started that had like yes. the maps of yeah the maps of Israel and like the. Um, there was a cool like timeline of Jesus's life that made like the things um, like the major highlights of his life and works. They made it really easy to understand and um, to understand like how old he was when this happened and this happened and see it on a, on a scale. And I just remembered really um, it's kind of sad to think about it. I engaged with that stuff more than the actual words of the text itself. But that makes complete sense because probably in school, you were taught how to read a map and right. how to re- look at maps, but we're not taught often how, how to read the Bible. And so yeah. I, I got the privilege of doing that much later when I went to college and then to divinity school and learned how learned how to read the Bible in a way to make meaning of it. And now I really enjoy reading the Bible. It's not something I do every day, but I go through periods where I really dive into a book and especially when I was working on on Women Rise Up because I was yeah, looking I at biblical stories. And it feels more intellectual, but that doesn't mean it's not meaningful. I think that there's this idea that, you know, the Bible is supposed to be this like spiritual experience when you read it. And it definitely can be, but our intellect doesn't have to be cut off for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, having those tools and a deeper understanding of the text has actually deepened the practice of reading the Bible and studying it. Uh, and, and it makes me appreciate it for what it is because it does still have meaning um, and it can be translated into things that weren't even occurring at the time, but has relevance for today. And to me, that's what is so spiritual about the Bible is that it's general enough it talks enough about human nature to be relevant mm-hmm. to what's going on today. And for that reason, I think it's it's a beautiful book. But those were not the things that I was taught to do as an adolescent. Um, no. Even though I was encouraged to read it, that was the only guidance there. It was just, just read it and figure it out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. It, honestly, it was very much the same. I... Um, as far as like my understanding of the Bible, I was kind of encouraged to read it or read it every day or like if I'm struggling, turn to the Bible and it's very vague. I don't, I don't know what part, like, yeah, there's some really troubling parts that if you were to read would not make you feel better. (laughs) Deuteronomy. Esther. That'd be a good one. Right. Like (laughs) our family went to church every week and, um, I went to youth group every, every Sunday and we went to Bible school and all of that. And so I learned the Bible stories as a kid, but I didn't learn any kind of like individual practice uh, related to, um, like exploring the Bible or engaging with it in any, in any real way. Um, and as far as like prayer goes or like other practices, it's interesting when I was, my, my very earliest memories are of, um, praying like the nighttime prayers when my mom would tuck me in, we would say the, um, now I lay me down to sleep prayer, Mm -hmm. which, Looking back, I kind of think, what a strange, what a strange <laughs> prayer. Every night, my little four-year-old self is saying, if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I did not understand those words. And right. I was it written during the plague or something? <laughs> right. Right. Like, it's such a, I, I mean, it was a good, uh, like, bonding for, for me and my mom. Like, every night we would say this prayer and she would tuck me in. And then I would, like, say, God bless all the people in my 
in my family and friends and we would kind of go through a list of all the people I knew and say god bless so and so and um I look back and think that that was sort of an early version of a of a gratitude practice like being thankful for all the people in my life but that isn't really how it was framed it was more just like uh, I think I think what my mom was trying to do was instill the uh like discipline of saying like a nighttime prayer of, mm-hmm. of some kind which is meditative um, and maybe relaxing yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're thinking um, about dying before you wake unless up. Unless you're thinking about dying. <laughs> yeah, and you know, what's interesting is as I got older and didn't need to be tucked in, um, that really kind of fell away. I would sort of lay in bed talking to God at night when I was like 13. Uh-huh. And usually my prayers were like, help me get an A on this test. Tell this boy to like me. <laughs> like It was always sort of just a laundry list of like all the things I wanted to happen in my life or um, that I felt like I wanted God to intervene in some way. And so I, the older I got, the less that practice really served me. And I found that I didn't really have any other tools for like communicating with God in any kind of like spiritual way. Um, So I don't, you know, I didn't really learn all that, but you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the, uh, the Catholic channel on TV. (laughs) So weird, um, such a weird kid. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> that's quirky. I have for really sure. shelved that away in the back of my mind. It did not yeah. emerge until about thirty minutes ago. <laughs> Don't you love kindreds for like dredging up all the oh, all yes. the old weird it's very baggage? Cathartic. <laughs> yeah. Well, so in preparation for this episode, I was thinking about who were sort of my role models in spiritual practice, and my dad's side of the family was Catholic, and I was not raised Catholic, but I was definitely um, sort of immersed in the Catholic culture of my dad's side of the family, my grandma in particular, and we stayed with her um, frequently uh, on the weekends my brother and I, when we were really little and I even, so at night I would sleep in my grandma's bed with her because my grandpa had passed. And so she would say her rosary, um, in the bed and in the dark. And I have these really like lovely memories of listening to her pray her rosary. Um, and, and she did that every night and I would ask her what it meant and she would, you know, kind of explain it to me. And then she also, um, even now she participates in Eucharistic adoration at her church, which I had to learn what that was. Yeah. You need to explain it for the people. (laughs) Yeah. She explained to me that at her particular Catholic church, and I, I don't know if this is something that every Catholic church does, but at hers, they do this where, um, the sacrament, the blessed sacrament, they call it is stored in a room that has some, uh, seating and the sacrament is never left alone for 24 hours a day. There is a sheet of volunteers, and um, they're called adorers, and they they sign up for an hour once a week to go and sit and adore the Blessed Sacrament. And um, it's like an hour set aside for meditation and prayer and gratitude for um, sort of the mystery of, of the Sacrament of Communion. Um and she she did that for a long time and i always thought that that was really um i don't know like the discipline of it and the just knowing that once a week you have an hour to sit alone in sort of contemplative silence and like uh what that means you know for your for your week i thought that i always thought that was really cool and then my catholic family always does grace at every meal they do the sign of the cross and um it it's uh those rituals were things that i was always like adjacent to and participated in even if i didn't fully understand all of it um mm-hmm. and so i had that model of like somebody who incorporates um 
discipline and spiritual practice uh, very like visibly, even though I don't, I don't necessarily have those same, the same things now. Like mm-hmm. I, I did have that kind of role model growing up. So I think that's really interesting. So what do you practice now? Are there things that you have made your own from childhood or have you adopted new practices since becoming an adult? Yeah. So I, um, prayer has definitely evolved for me and I'm sure it has for you too. Um, yeah. (laughs) So it's definitely gone from being a like spoken word list of things to being more of an abstract concept. Now prayer to me is much more of a feeling. Hmm. And I realized that that started when I, I began to be uncomfortable with, um, so I grew up, I don't know how, I don't know how it was for you. I grew up with, um, God being gendered as male and all of the prayers that I was taught as a child were to address God as heavenly father or father God. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And yeah, I started to become really uncomfortable with that. And I also realized just how difficult, how ingrained that habit was and how difficult it's been to stop thinking of God as male, number one, and Mm -hmm. to also stop referring to God as male in my prayer life. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just almost automatic. It is. It's completely automatic. And so words really began to fail me in that sense. Um, And words felt very limiting uh, in in the more general way of thinking about it. And so um, now prayer for me is more meditative. And I don't necessarily um, force or like seek prayer so much as I like put myself in situations where I feel close to God. So usually that's things like um, being in nature, being close to the ocean, Mm -hmm. um, listening to music or like taking in art um, or even like doing something really physical with my body. Mm -hmm. Um, Running can sometimes put me in that kind of a space where I, when I'm able to be like fully present, in myself and in my body, I, um, try to like hold on to that feeling and express gratitude for it and, um, and feel as much as I can, as viscerally as I can being connected to everyone and everything in the universe. And that's a real, like maybe a little, a little woo woo way of thinking about it, but that's what, that's what my prayer life is now. Yeah. <laughs> well, tapping into a sense of awe or yeah. mystery. That's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that that's great. And I, I feel like there's a lot, especially in the Psalms about that, about just being in awe of the creation and the beauty that's around us. And I feel like that's a very ancient practice that you're tapping into. Oh, I liked that's nice. It's nice <laughs> to think about it that way. What about you? What are some things that you do now? Same as you, it's really changed a lot. And for me, the prayer life that I had as a child, well, I used to write a lot of things down. Um, mm-hmm. But even in my writing, they reflected a lot of the language that I heard spoken. So I don't know that I ever felt like I could really be, it felt like my prayer voice that was always a, was always put on. It can be mm. authentic. And so I've yeah. worked more on being my authentic self in prayer and not feeling like I have to put on my prayer voice. Uh, 
and and that I feel like prayer is about speaking to the God that's already within, <laughs> like the mm-hmm. truth that's already there, and mm-hmm. so it, it feels like this internal external dialogue that's going on. Um, but it's often very short. I mean, it could be while I'm walking my dog, I'll just I'll think of someone who's going through something, and I'll I'll just say something internally you know, that's focused on that person. And it might be a sentence or a few words. And then I Mm -hmm. I just kind of go about. So it feels like something that just as it occurs to me, I don't, I don't have a discipline of doing it at certain times or Mm -hmm. before meals. I find that very uncomfortable, um, especially in public places when people do it. Uh, So it's more for me just an internal, like, direction of thinking or direction of energy toward people I'm thinking about or or even my own situation or while I'm parenting it's like please help me not lose my stuff with my child right now (laughs) there's a lot of like help you know yeah Um, yeah and I thought about Anne Lamott wrote this great book called help help thanks wow yeah pretty much covers the prayers for me yeah Uh, well I would add another one which is like um, maybe it's related Dang to it. help, which is like, yes. And I've started oh. saying to my friends, like, I will offer angry prayers for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you need angry. Them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm all about like the authentic, just angry. I'm really upset about this and feeling mm-hmm. like God can hold all of those things. God mm-hmm. can hold our authentic experience. And I think I was afraid of doing that as a child. So prayer is more, more loosey goosey, I would say, but much more comfortable for me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm big on journaling. I've journaled since I was eight years old. That has shortened now in adulthood with a child, but I have a five minute journal I do every night to just kind of tap into what happened today and have a gratitude practice that's similar. Writing for me is very spiritual. For as type A as I am, when I write, I do not outline what I'm going to write. When I sit down to write a blog, I just sit and I like, it's just a very spiritual experience of it coming together. Oh, that's nice. Um, and even in my book, it was kind of that way. And on a more meta scale, it really showed me just how much spirit can move because that book has evolved so much from when I first sat down. So I just, I feel like that's kind of a spiritual practice of words that in some ways is easier for me or more meaningful for me than the, than praying out loud or just praying verbally, um, mm-hmm. even inside my own head. And I have a spiritual director, which I really like, just someone who speaks spiritual language, who Mm -hmm. accompanies me through my life's challenges. That's a great spiritual practice that I would really recommend to anyone who is a verbal processor. Um, And one thing I wanted to share is I've started reading Richard Rohr's Daily Meditation Every Day. Um, You can sign up for it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, he's, He's a Catholic, but contemplative. And I read his stuff out loud a lot of days before I start work because his his writing is so good. Um, mm. And I love his homilies, too. But that's one that I've started within the last six months that I really like. So I'll share that in case folks are looking for something to kind of start their day. Um, I'd actually way. really be interested in that because um, okay. I like his writings in general. Yeah. And I didn't realize he had a daily um, a devotional. So I would like to. Yeah. It's really nice. The last few weeks have been about other religions. So he did one on indigenous religion. He did a week on Hinduism. He's doing one on Judaism right now. So it really changes week to week, but I find them all really thoughtful. That's really cool. I don't have a whole lot of daily practices. I do. um, This is something that I picked up 
uh, I've shared on the podcast before that I, I think it was in the mental health, um, episode, um, that I attended Al-Anon as Mm -hmm. in my early twenties. And one of the things that, um, that I learned in Al-Anon, which is interesting that I did not learn this in the church. (laughs) I learned it in Al-Anon self-help, um, but was to, to have a daily gratitude practice. And, Mm -hmm. um, it really kind of grounds you if you're like spiraling in anxiety over, um, things in your life you can't control or people in your life you can't control. It, it helped me, um, really be grounded in the things that I could appreciate about what I, what I did have and what I could control Mm -hmm. or, um, not even always what I could control, but just like what I had, that what was solid and stable. And so sometimes it's as as basic as, um, thank you for the roof over my head and the food on the table. Um, which are big things, which are really big things. Yeah. Yeah. And things that we tend to take for granted. Um, and so, uh, I do, um, try to do like a two or three things I'm grateful for. Um, and, but something I do every year that I love, um, a friend of, a friend of mine and I, um, do this together, um, is choosing a word or a mantra that is going to be, um, sort of our touchstone for the year. And I started doing this in 2013. I don't know if I've ever talked about on the podcast before, but so. I had a year of yes. Oh, um, like Shonda <laughs> Rhimes? I did. Before I, Shonda Rhimes did it? Before Shonda did it. I did. I had a year of yes. 2013, I started out the year by, I did this online course called Mondo Biondo. Have you ever heard of it? No. It was really cool. It was all about um, like setting big, big dreams and goals for yourself. So you just like it's basically a practice of, um, where you write out all your wildest dreams and, um, then start to like figure out how you might make those be real, (laughs) like how, how you might actually get there and, um, kind of just giving yourself permission to dream really big. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so one of the things that we did in that course was to, um, not just choose a word, but it was also to, um, like make an art project out of that word. And I actually still have it. So my first word was embrace Mm. and that was going to be my year of yes. And I was going to embrace all the opportunity that came my way. It was right after I gotten laid off and moved back home. And it was kind of at this point in my life where I just needed to shake things up. And I made so many new friends that year. I, that was the year that Pat and I ran into each other and Mm. started dating again. It was the year I learned to paddleboard and I kayaked in a kayak race and I like went island camping with like a person I barely knew and we just decided we were going to go do this together and um, she's now one of my closest friends and I mean it's just like crazy. Um, But uh, yeah, so that year, my year was embrace um, and a couple, some years the word doesn't stick. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember what it was for this year? This year was breathe. Breathe. Well, that worked out. I was about to have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, it, this one has stuck. Um, but uh, I've had I've had words like one year my word was enough, and that it was to try to just remind me that like I am enough and what what I have is enough. And um, that one didn't really stick. I don't know. I don't know what the like the special magic is um, mm-hmm. when a word really like works. But um, I will never forget Embrace. That was like the best year ever. Yeah. Maybe that's when you really needed the practice was that year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe. And now it's just kind of something I do. So we've talked about things we do. What are some things you think you should do but don't? Yeah. So meditation. 
I've tried mm. it. I've tried it so many times. I've tried Headspace. I've tried Calm. I've tried them all, y'all. I've tried like every app and I just cannot make it stick. Not not in that way. The the sitting down and being still and even just there's something about sitting in a chair in that way that's very uncomfortable for me. So I tried mm. laying down for a while in more of a Shavasana resting pose and yoga way. Uh, but I just like I can't I can't get it to stick. Um so it's one of those things that I hear about. It's always in a list of, you know, 10 things to live a good life or yeah. you know, how to extend your life is meditate for 20 minutes every day. But I I can only do one virtue at a time. And right now I'm giving up most of the sugar in my life. And like that's I'm at capacity with that. That's taking all my focus. <laughs> so I do I do think about when I do when I do yoga, which is occasional because I'm doing group fitness and I'm often not able to go. But when I do go to yoga and we're in Shavasana in those last few minutes of rest, um, I started this mantra of like breathe, breathe, spirit, breathe. Like and I will say that often in my oh, head like as a that. mantra. Um and when you were talking about the your grandmother's rosary, like that's really a mantra of just like it is. saying words over and over again so you get into that state of, of receptivity. So that's one mantra that I say. So I feel like that's the one time that I, I kind of get into that meditative place. And you know what? A little bit is fine, right? Like mm-hmm. that's as good as I can do. I'm a perfectionist. And so I always want to shoot for that like superstar thing which would be to meditate every day for 20 or 30 minutes but like it's just not happening so yeah i'm i'm trying to let go of that and appreciate the other things that do work for me yeah and i think we can loosen our definition of meditation too um because i feel like anytime i'm like in a in the zone you Mm -hmm. know what i mean like it feels meditative i come out of it with that same feeling of like being refreshed and because that's what I understand meditation like Mm -hmm. the benefits that people say they get from it is that they come out of it feeling very like calm and refreshed and kind of centered and like present and the present yeah yeah we can get that from other things and maybe we can just call that meditating too I don't know yeah I think for me and we haven't really talked about parenting much but there are moments in parenting when I will catch a glimpse of my child and it like stops me in my tracks. And I, oh. I do feel like even now I kind of am tearing up because it's just this, there's something mystical about it where I'm like, oh my gosh, like something just struck me about the moment. And I'm like, it catches me right back into like, this is it right now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like those moments are gifts, you know, and maybe that, yes, maybe that's definitely. the way to think of meditation is like, not an obligation, but a gift when those mm-hmm. moments come of just clarity or awe or mystery or whatever they are. And yeah, I agree with you. I think I need to loosen up my definition of what it means. Yeah, I definitely think, uh, you know, apps are cool. We'll, we're going to talk about some apps <laughs> here. <laughs> but yeah, maybe, yes. maybe not let the app dictate. <laughs> no, and it's like, it would be a good idea for you to start meditating now. Like those little reminders. You get a notification. Oh, I get, no. I have an Apple watch and it's bad enough. I'm going off topic for a second, but it'll be like, I will be my rest day from working out. I will have run three miles a day before I taught a class. And it's like, you can still do it today. If you take a brisk 18 minute walk, 
Like mm. you'll meet your activity goal. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to meet my goal every day. Like, yep. <laughs> sometimes I want a day off from the goal. Yep. <laughs> that right there is a reason I do not own an Apple Watch. <laughs> oh, well, you're smarter than me. It's the data. It's like the con. Yeah, the data. Agreed. I don't want it. It does. It's. It does not facilitate meditation well even though it has a breathing app it doesn't help (laughs) it's time to breathe oh good glad you reminded me um okay so let me get us back on the rails because i took us off so is there anything that you want to incorporate that you don't feel bad about but want to incorporate from like a free will perspective into your life (laughs) my free will you know when you mentioned grace earlier i thought it was interesting like the being uncomfortable was sort of like performing yes um the grace before meals and i'm very uncomfortable with that too but i have been thinking lately that so we have a a, our mutual colleague carrie jackson who has been on the podcast before yes episode 18 Yeah, she does this really beautiful thing at Grace, um, like before meals. She just kind of waves her hands and she waves her hands at the food and says, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then she waves her hands at the company at the table and says, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, every time she does that, I just feel like, yes, thank you. You know, I always really love it. And it's something that I've thought about. I don't necessarily want to say this out loud, um, but I I do want to remember to be grateful for mm-hmm. for food honestly um and and food sort of representing the like basic needs that i have that are met and um i have always liked thinking about like the time and the effort that went into growing and cultivating and preparing a meal like all of that stuff so grace is something that i would like to figure out how to how to incorporate either out loud or or more personally um, and then another thing that I've, uh, have recently started using, um, and want to get into a little bit more is the daily, I, I don't know how you say it, Eximin. Have you heard of this? A daily Eximin. I don't know what that So is. this is a, I believe it's a Jesuit in origin, um, but it's a daily ritual, uh, prayer that is, um, it helps you walk back through the events of your day and, pick out the um, lessons and the um, moments uh, that were challenging and how and think about how you responded and how maybe um, you could have responded better um, Mm. and and think kind of think about the moments of your day and think about like the the elements you should be grateful for um, the elements that you need to revisit the lessons that maybe God was trying to teach you throughout the day and and then to um, express gratitude for for this opportunity to think about our day like this, and um, there's there's like steps to it. If you look up um, a daily exomen, and we'll we'll link to it in the show notes. There's steps to doing it, um, mm, and it's I love that. I want to do yeah, that. Yeah, it's really cool. I really like doing it. Um, and there's an app as well. Of it's course. called Re- <laughs> Yes, of course. I like the app it's called reimagining the x-men and it's got a list of different ways that you can think back over your day so for example the one i did yesterday was called um, today's surprises Uh, and you can it guides you to think back over the day and this particular framing was what surprised you today what were the positive surprises what were the negative surprises and then how might how can you surprise someone tomorrow Mm, i like that an action step yeah, and so there's a whole bunch of different framings that you can choose. Like, um, 
today was if today was particularly hard there's one there's a framing for like today was a challenge um so you can kind of pick the way you want to frame it and then go through it and it sort of guides you through the process and i really i like that so it's a it's a neat app when do you do that typically at the end of the day the end of the day like do you mm-hmm. do you bring your phone into your where you're going to sleep or do you do it like before you're trying to wind down completely that's what i've been doing is um instead of like scrolling on Instagram or something before bed, I'll like, because I usually will look at my phone for a few minutes to wind down, like after we've turned the lights off to go uh-huh. to bed. Um, and so I've tried to replace just the mindless scrolling oh, with, like that. Um, with doing the, mm-hmm. it helps yeah. to build a habit if you're replacing another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I've always just uh, kind of used my phone at night to help me fall asleep um, anyway. So this is kind of part of that. And yeah, trying to like stay awake through it, you know, that's uh-huh. the, the struggle. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I may get an actual like hard bound book to do this with and like do it um, with a little bit more intentionality and maybe write some stuff down it's too. It's always good to start with something non-committal first and then you can buy mm-hmm. the thing later. I tend to always buy the thing before I know if I'm going to actually do it. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. It's better to like try it out. Make sure you yeah. like it first. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I guess um, we should probably start to head into what we're reading and listening to. Uh, do you want to share yours? Oh, yes. But one thing, because I want to say this out loud so it's recorded Okay, um, about things I want to do is... Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I Like I said, I want this recorded so other people have heard it and can ask me about my plans. But I really want to do some kind of solo spiritual retreat. Um, I just want to go somewhere. It doesn't need to be, I don't need to be alone, but I would like to go somewhere where I don't know anybody else. Um, Mm. and one place that I've been thinking about going is Ghost Ranch in New Mexico, where Georgia O'Keeffe did a lot of her painting and Mm -hmm. they do a lot of spiritual retreats there and you really disconnect from Wi-Fi. There's not cell service. I mean, it's a real disconnect. So I've just been thinking about doing something like that for myself because I really struggle to recharge even when I got out of town. If if I'm around other people I know, I tend to like get into this kind of nurturing role, which I do all the time in my life. It's very autopilot for me. So to go to a place where I like don't I can't do that for anybody but myself, I think would be mm-hmm. really rejuvenating. So I've been thinking about that. But yes. Um so back to what we're reading, what we're listening to. Um when you mentioned the startup podcast a couple of episodes back, I can't remember which episode that was. We were talking about season two. Season three of the startup podcast is about church planting. And if you don't know what that means, it's basically when you start a new church. They call it planting for some reason. Um, and it follows this uh, pastor named AJ Smith who opens a church in Philadelphia and not in like in gentrified Philly. Um like in in the middle of the heart of the city called Restoration Church. And I love just serial style storytelling in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm obsessed right now with like a lot of true crime podcasts, which I'm not talking about here. But that (laughs) one was really good because you could just sort of like listen to the trials and the struggles just to like get butts in the seat and all the things that they do to try to like build relationships with people in the community. And... It's also really problematic because Mm -hmm. the very first episode talks about how they get the money to fund these churches and how they identify people who 
are eligible to start these church plants. And it's super capitalistic. Um, it's just like any other startup that you might have heard of. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel very godly. <laughs> uh, it just feels yeah. very, um, yeah, very capitalistic, which is troubling. Um, and there's also, if you listen to it, episode four is entitled The Conversation. And that's where the host just asks AJ all of the yeah. hard-hitting questions about, like, what does your church believe about gay people? What does your church believe about women getting ordained? And uh, that one was really hard to listen to, It's actually. really, It is really hard to listen to. And I think what it points to, again, going back to the capitalism, like, people are funding these churches for particular reasons. And they might say it's, like, because they want, you know, more people to find God or whatever. But they mean a real specific thing when they say that. And they're going to control what goes on within the bodies of that church. And so you see that, like, he's got to hold on to that worldview in order to get the funding he needs to have a church, which he feels like is his calling. Like, it's very troubling and complex, uh, but also really interesting. So uh, did you have other thoughts about it? I I listened to that uh, series as well, and um, I guess... My, you pretty much hit on everything, all the major things that I ha- thought about it. But I, I, it's like very specifically the episode where they um, were talking about uh, the things that their church believes, and the preacher was kind of justifying why women shouldn't be ordained and why women shouldn't be in leadership roles in the church. Like that actually felt very. There were points in that episode that I had to kind of turn it off, and mm-hmm. like it felt really personal. It felt yeah. Um, like a punch to the gut and I I was really glad that they gave space to his wife to talk about her journey um along you know growing up in in that ideology that complementarian ideology um and realizing that she actually has just as much of a voice and a right to to speak as any man does and and how she she herself probably doesn't believe that anymore and Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was really glad to hear her say those things because the whole time I was listening to this, I was just like, this this hurts. This hurts in a really yeah. personal way. Yeah, it was hard to listen yeah. to. But um, I do appreciate that the journalist that did that the reporter who uh, did those episodes was himself a person of faith um, because I feel like that lens um, gave him the ability to to really explore the subject in a way that um, like he could speak the language um, and it wasn't like uh, an outsider looking into the process and Mm-hmm. and judging it or editorializing it on some in some unfair way like I, I liked that he even talked about his own sort of faith experience and yeah he and the preacher like went to uh yeah. went to a med- meditation together right uh, which is yeah. very much in alignment with what we're talking about today so yeah episode five is about more about the journalist's exploration of their own spirituality and and things. So that might resonate a lot with what we talked about today because he talks about like the struggle of just sitting in silence, like just the (laughs) mundane thoughts that pop into a person's head when you're like trying to be like in this sacred moment is just still very mundane. What's going on? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. So what have you been reading? I know you've been reading a lot of books. I think yeah. you, you might have been beating me in that area recently. <laughs> so I um, have uh, recently finished two books of poetry by um, Nayira Wahid. And people might be familiar with her writing. She is a 
black woman poet and she has a significant Instagram presence. She, um, her poetry is very, um, short and, uh, uh, like uh, often her poems are really short and really um, they're very powerful. Um, and so they're easy to share on Instagram. She shares a lot of her poetry on Instagram. Um, and so she has two books. Uh, one is Salt and one is Nejma. And um, they're both, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous and challenging and raw and honest and beautiful. And um, I, I, somebody actually shared this poem on Instagram, uh, not too long ago. And I bookmarked it for this mm. episode because it, it fits really well. So I'm going to read a short poem. It's called, as you are, you are the prayer. And this is by Nayira Wahid. As you are, says the universe after you answer as you are, says the universe before you answer as you are, says the universe when you answer. As you are, says the universe, how you answer. As you are, says the universe, why you answer. Because you are happening now, right now, right this moment, and your happening is beautiful. The thing that both keeps me alive and brings me to my knees. You don't even know how breathtaking you are, as you are, says the universe through tears. Mm. That's beautiful. I, I got chills. Yeah, from it's that. really her poetry is amazing, and um, she writes a lot about um, what it's like to claim her space as a black woman poet and artist in a world and society that uh, defines art and poetry and literature through a white colonialist lens. And, um, I think that it's just really important to, to get out of our, um, you know, our white canon quote unquote of literature and poetry. What makes a poem a poem as defined by, by white men, um, Mm -hmm. through the centuries and to really open up to, um, what other people have to say. And so, uh, yeah, I recommend both her books, Salt and Nejma. And they're both available on Kindle Unlimited if you subscribe to, um, if you have a Prime account. Uh, and I, I guess pay for Kindle Unlimited, um, which we, our family does. Uh, but I highly recommend the hard book copies. You're going to want these to keep because <laughs> um, they're just so Instagram beautiful. Instagram too, so people can get a sense of what, because she posts, like you were saying, a lot of her poetry there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so and that brings us. Yeah, you are you're rounding us out with the kindreds of the moment. All right, my turn. Kindreds of the moment. So I'm excited to share this uh, with everyone. Um, our kindreds of the moment is the Our Bible app. And I thought this fit in really well today with our topic. The Our Bible app, you can find it in the app store and it's called Our Bible app. Um, it's a it's an app that is designed to be um a place for devotionals and resources and biblical texts that are inclusive of um, what they say on their website is through devotionals highlighting pro-LGBT, pro-women, and encourage interfaith inclusivity. We hope to provide a tool that is needed to create healthy prayer and meditation habits. Mm. And so it's an app. It's free. And in the app, you can find all kinds of daily devotionals written by women, uh, people of color, um, folks across the LGBT spectrum, um, and they're 
written in a in a very inclusive and like non gender binary way and so there's devotionals covering a whole range of topics um and then there's a a list of podcasts and a couple weeks ago we uh were invited to have our podcast um included in the library on the Our Bible app. And so we're just waiting now. We've submitted our um, podcast information in our bio to um, the Our Bible app developers, and we're just waiting now for it to be included and uploaded into the uh, into the app. So we're really excited when that happens, and we'll let you know when it does. But in the meantime, you can still go download the app, and um, it's got all kinds of cool uh things to explore and I think they're working on a community feature where you can like make friends with other app users and be able to chat with them and things like that um and you can save all your devotionals and there's even a few different versions of a bible um so you can have a a bible right there in your phone so um yeah uh, that's the our bible app is our kindreds of the moment I think this is gonna be really cool very good I need to go check this out you've been talking about it for a while and I'm so glad that they're supportive of the work that we're doing and always like to be in community with people who are doing similar kinds of things. Yeah. So next time we're going to be talking about money, 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 how we earn it, mm. how we spend or save it and how we give it away. So we'll talk to you then. All right. Talk to you then. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website, kindredspodcast.com. That's kindreds with an S. Or you can send us an email at team at kindredspodcast.com. You can also follow me, Katie, on Twitter at Katie Zay. That's Katie with an E-Y-Z-E-H. Please send us your thoughts, ideas, and questions. We'd love to hear from you. 